You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. Starting a brand new series, and we're going to focus on the book of Jonah. Okay, how many of you have read the book of Jonah? It's uh, one of the prophetic books in the Old Testament. It's a short book. Actually, it, it only has four chapters in each chapter. There's, I think there's less than 20 verses per chapter. So it's going to be real quick. Okay, so, and we're going to be covering four weeks on, on the book of Jonah. And uh, we're going to look at these topics in the next four weeks, starting today. And so with that, I'd like to request everybody to please stand. And uh, we're going to read God's Word. If you could open your Bibles to Jonah chapter 1, okay? If you don't know where Jonah is, Genesis, Exodus, Jonah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle of your Bible, near the end of the Old Testament. It's one of the prophets. Okay, so, but if you have your, your Bible apps, it's going to be easier to find. Okay, Jonah chapter 1. We're just going to read three verses for now, but we're going to go through the entire chapter in the sermon, okay? So, Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray right now. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you that your word transforms us. And Lord, I pray as we go through the book of Jonah, and as we look at this segment in the life of Jonah, Lord, I pray that you would enable us to see key lessons, Lord, so that we can apply it in our lives. Lord, let your truth be upon us, and Lord, let your spirit speak to us, Lord. And um, Lord, I pray that you would enable us to hear what your spirit is saying uh, through your word in the next coming weeks, Lord. And we commit this sermon series to you, Lord. We pray that you would open our hearts today to receive your word for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You may all take your seats. The title of this message this morning is On the Run. As we've, we've uh, just read, Jonah fled from the Lord. He was on the run. He was like a fugitive. He went the other way from where God wanted him to go. And and I was, just, as I was thinking about this message, you know, how, how many of you have run away from something? Have you ever run away from something and lived to regret it? Have you? Have you? Some of you are like, mm, maybe not, you know. Or maybe have you run away from some relationships? Maybe you've run away from certain relationships or, or maybe from some things that you value, like you left a certain value that you once held but you left it for something else. And you've experienced some consequences because of that choice. Okay? Running away. And, um, and I've, I've been following Christ for about 26, 27 years now. And I've had friends who started with me following Christ, but they've fallen off along the way. You know, I, and I know some of them are still away from God, away from the purpose of God for their lives. 
and their lives, they don't seem to get it that their lives are filled with struggles that are unnecessary because they place themselves in a position where struggles will be overflowing. And there's a reason for that. And, um, and there's a reason, like I said, there's a reason for that. And, and the main idea of, of this message is that when, when you run from God, you run into trouble. That's just the basic point of this sermon. Okay, So what we want to look at this morning is how can we learn not to run away from God? Okay, So maybe some of us are, are away from God right now. We're pursuing other things. You know, it's interesting when you exchange, when you pursue something else, when you pursue something other than God, then you, that means you're drawing your life source from it. You're drawing your value from that thing more than God. And it's interesting that people think that things other than God can supply them life, can supply them value, can supply them with identity can supply them with all the things they need in life when in fact the source of life and the source of everything we need in life is God. So to forsake God or to turn away from Him or to run away from Him is to run away from the very source of life. And that is why it is no wonder that we face a lot of problems, a lot of troubles when we do run away from God. So let's look at Jonah right now. Um, Jonah, as a person, he was, he was a prophet during the time of King Jeroboam II. He was a king of the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, and uh, Jonah ministered prophetically to the nation, to the northern kingdom of Israel. At this time, they were, Israel was divided into two kingdoms. They, they had a split. Okay, so we know the northern kingdom was comprised of the ten tribes of Israel. And that northern kingdom took the name of Israel. And in the southern kingdom, that split with the ten kingdoms, comprised of two tribes, and they call themselves Judah. So the kingdom of Judah, so where Jerusalem is. And in the kingdom of, of Israel, the northern kingdom, Samaria was their capital city. And so you had the northern kingdom of Israel in the north, and then the southern kingdom of Judah. And King Jeroboam was a king in the northern kingdom, and Jonah ministered there prophetically during the reign of King Jeroboam. Uh, and King Jeroboam was one of the, in history of the northern kingdom of Israel, he was, he was one of the most accomplished kings of the northern kingdom. And Jonah ministered during his time. Okay, but during that time, they were having conflicts with, with the other kingdoms around them, particularly with the, with the Assyrian Empire. Okay, so the Assyrians were invading different kingdoms, and it was just a matter of time that they're going to go face-to-face with the kingdom of Israel. And we know from history that the Assyrian Empire conquered the northern kingdom. And they basically took the Israelites and banished them to the different places in the Assyrian Empire. Okay, so that's why they're, they're scattered. So Jonah was a prophet during that time. Now, the book of Jonah is a unique book. I said a while ago that it's a, um, one of the books of the prophets uh, in the Old Testament. But it's unique in the sense that most of the prophetic books in the Old Testament deal with 
the record of the prophecies of the prophets. So the prophets would, would write down their, the prophecies that they received from God. Okay? There would be portions of narratives in those records, but it's predominantly a record of the prophecies okay, uh, that they received. Now with Jonah, this book actually deals with a narrative. It deals with a segment in the life of Jonah wherein it's a narrative of his mission from God. Okay, that involved the city of Nineveh, which is one of the, the cities, major cities in the Assyrian Empire. And um, Jonah didn't have, um, you know, good feelings uh, regarding the, the Ninevites. And so when God called him to go to Nineveh, we see in the story, he went the other way. Okay, so also the book of Jonah is dismissed by some people saying, uh, is it really possible for a man to be alive inside the belly of a fish, a big fish, a great fish? Some people debate that it's a whale, but the Bible doesn't say, it just says a big fish. And they said that is impossible, but, you know, they, they tend to forget that God is a God of impossibilities, that he's a supernatural God, you know. And a lot of people today, they don't want to believe in God because God does supernatural things and miraculous things that can't be explained. And for them, if, if it can't be explained naturally, then they reject it. Okay? But in Matthew 12, verse 40, Jesus himself, the Son of God, referred to Jonah and used it as an analogy for what he was going to do. And by him referring to Jonah itself, basically, he was speaking of Jonah's validity and authority in Scripture. So basically, he was affirming the validity and the historicity of the book of Jonah. Okay, so, so Jesus himself, I mean, our, the supreme authority, referring to the book of Jonah, that puts Jonah right, right up there. You know, that's why it's in the, the canon of Scriptures. Okay, so one of the major themes of the book of Jonah, as we're going to look at this series is the compassion of God. We can see in this story, God is a sovereign God, that He controls everything, okay, from nature to the hearts of men and everything else in this world. He controls everything. He is the sovereign ruler of everything, and His plans cannot be thwarted, okay? Uh, Another theme of this book is repentance, and that God's compassion is not just for a select people, but it's for all people all over the world. But one of the, greatest, uh, one of the greatest themes of this book is that of the compassion of God. And that's what we're going to be highlighting in this series, God's unrelenting compassion, mercy, and grace. All right, so let's go ahead and dive into the story. So let's look at the first verse, first two verses here. Now it says there in, jo- in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Okay, so when you look at the the phrase, the word of the Lord, you'll find that that's a common phrase in the prophetic books. And even in the entire Bible, the word of the Lord came. So that's, that's a phrase saying that God gave specific revelation to the prophets. And this was a pretty common experience for the prophets that the word of the Lord would come to them. And the word of the Lord would speak of his divine message or his divine uh, instruction for the prophet to do something. 
Okay, so, but basically the prophets were God's mouthpieces to speak his messages to the people. Okay, and it says here, arise and go to Nineveh. Now, I've already explained what Nineveh is. It's uh, one of the great cities of Assyria. After it conquered the kingdom of Israel, one of the rulers that came out of this, of this empire, Sennacherib, basically made Nineveh the capital city of Assyria in 700 B.C. until it was destroyed in 612 B.C. So the city of Nineveh, it was one of the most advanced cities in, the ancient, in ancient times. It was destroyed in 612 B.C. And that was foretold by God through the prophets. And here, God spoke to Jonah to preach against the city because their evil has come up before him. Okay, so it's time for them, you know, to have a prophet of the Lord to come and preach a sobering, a hard message uh, regarding their evil ways in the hopes that they would come to repentance. Now, it's interesting. Most people would think that, that God only was concerned for the nation of Israel because Israel was the chosen nation of God. But you can see here that God's concern is not just for Israel, but for all people. Okay, everybody say all people. Tell the person next to you, that includes you. Okay, now in verse 3, says there, but Jonah, after the Lord gave him that directive to go to Nineveh, here's what Jonah did. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Basically, he wanted to hide from God. <laughs> you, know, he, uh, you know, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he basically wanted to flee from God because God was telling him to go to Nineveh. Now, to give you a perspective, here's a map of the Mediterranean world. This is the Mediterranean Sea. Okay, and we see here, here this is... Turkey, okay, this is where the Hittite Empire was, and Assyrian Empire was here, and Joppa was here, and this is the kingdom of Israel right here, and the southern kingdom of Judah is here, okay? So here, Jonah went to Joppa. After receiving the word of the Lord, he went to Joppa, and the Lord wanted him to go to Nineveh, which is about 500, over 500 miles, Okay, now there weren't any bullet trains then, there weren't any, any cars then, so you would either travel by wagon or by foot or by whatever, or chariot if you had a chariot, chariots are for rich people then, but that's a long way, you know, how many miles is it to get to LA, is it 400 miles, about 400 miles, to San Diego, about, about 500 miles, it's like, it's like walking from here to San Diego, okay, so... <laughs> See, the Lord told him to do that. Now, now, I want you to be listening in because maybe God will speak to you to go to someplace else. Today we have planes. <laughs> so now, 500 miles. And here's Jonah's response. He wanted to go to Tarshish the other way. You see, it's interesting. It's interesting. To obey God, it will cost you. To disobey God, it will cost you even more. 
I mean, disobedience will go to great lengths not to obey. You know, just not to do what, what God is telling you to do. So, Tarshish was a port town, a Phoenician port town here in the, in the Iberian Peninsula, which is now modern-day Spain and Portugal. And so, from Joppa, he boarded a ship wanting to go to Tarshish, as far away from Nineveh as possible. Okay? He seemed to have forgotten. He thought that by doing so, he would be running away from the Lord, being able to hide from God. Now, here's, he seemed to have forgotten the, wor- you know, the, the words of the psalmist. In Psalm 139, the psalmist said, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. So, in other words, there's no place... You can go where God is not there. God is everywhere. That is one of, the, one of the known traits of God. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. You cannot hide from God. Okay? But here you can see Jonah's heart was not to obey the word of God. What could be the reason why he did that? What do, what do you think would be the reason for doing such a thing? Actually, the reason was, is found... In chapter 4 of Jonah and verses 2 and 3, and he prayed to the Lord. Jonah prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? Because at this time, the Ninevites repented of their evil ways. They repented, they responded to the message of Jonah, they responded to God and repented from their evil ways and of their violence. They basically responded to God. And Jonah did not like that, okay? So, but we're going to get there, okay? So, this will be in week four of this series. Is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. Because of uh, the tension between Assyria and the northern kingdom of Israel, there is animosity there, and that feeling was also in Jonah. Why would I preach to our enemy? They're bent on destruction. They're bent on destroying us. And then he received the word from God that they're going to be They're going to be uh, judged as well. Let them be judged. Let them be judged. That's going to be the greatest day of my life. But you want me to preach to them? What if they repent? Then you're going to save them. Lord, you always save those who repent. Don't give them the chance to repent. So I don't want to preach there. Because of his feelings of animosity. You know, he he had feelings for his country. Obviously, he he was biased towards his country. So if there's a war between the U.S. and another country, guess whose side you will be on, right? It's kind of like that. And so he was so he was he had the bias. He had a he had prejudices against the Assyrians, and rightly so. But he allowed those things to come up 
and he allowed those things to make him disobey God. Okay, so here, Jonah had, you know, had those prejudices. Now, what do you think would make people run from God, especially when God calls them to a people they don't like? What if God calls you? Here in the United States, we have different kinds of people. And sometimes we do have stereotypes, you know, and we enjoy, you know, fooling around and teasing other people of other races. Sometimes we unconsciously do that. But when God calls you to, to a people you don't like, maybe it's not a race. Maybe it's people of a different social class. You know, I don't relate with those types of people. They're beneath me. Or I, don't, I can't relate with those people. They're above me. Now, what am I, who am I? I'm just a little worm compared to all the greatness of these people. We allow those things, social barriers, as our excuses to disobey God. And it's interesting. There is a Jonah in most people, isn't it? Right? There is a Jonah in most people. And if you look at your own heart, there, there is, you would see a tinge of Jonah in you. How many of you have received or heard God speak to you about something and you, you had to struggle in your soul and in your, in, inside you before you obeyed? How many of you experienced that? Have you experienced that? God told you to do something and you dilly-dallied and you were bringing up excuses and reasons, right? There's a Jonah in most people. And Jonah, it's interesting, Jonah found a ship that accommodated his disobedience. You know, we all have ships of excuses to accommodate our disobedience. What do we have? You know, maybe it's a prejudice. Maybe it's a bias. Maybe it's a preference. I don't want to go reach out to those people. God's calling me to reach out to them. I don't want to reach out to them because, uh, you know, I don't prefer them. I don't even want to be seen hanging out with them. You know, what would people say? Are we here this morning? Are you tracking here? I don't want to be with those weird people. Didn't it occur to you that maybe the reason why they're weird is because they don't have Jesus, and you do, and that's why Jesus is sending you to them. So we see here, there is a Jonah in most people, and there is always a ship of excuses. What's your ship? How many of you have heard the call of God in your life? I'm not talking about being a pastor or something. All of us have callings from God. Whether you're in ministry or you're, you're in the marketplace, we all have a calling from God. How many of you have sailed on your ships? What is your ship? Some people, their ship is their wealth. For some, their ship is their reputation. We have different ships, different excuses. What would make you run from God today? What circumstance if it happened to you, would make you run from God. Have you ever thought about that? Or are you the type that would say, oh, nothing bad's going to happen to me? If you think nothing bad's going to happen to you, you're in a dangerous place. What would make you run from God? What would be your ship? So let's continue on. And um, starting verse 4 up to verse 11, it says there, but the Lord, and so here, Jonah's already in the ship, heading towards Tarshish, Okay the other side of the Mediterranean, the other end of the Mediterranean. And while the ship was sailing, here, look at what happened next. The Lord 
hurled. Look at that. I want you to take, a note of, take note of that word. The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Have you ever experienced something like this? How many of you have experienced something like this? Right there, a noir. It's scary when you experience this. Okay? And it says there, Then the mariners were afraid. Can you imagine? The sailors. This was their trade. If you would get scared, they will not get scared. But if they get scared, that's really, really scary. That means they're in danger already. They're afraid for their lives. The mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. These were people, these were pagan people. They, they worshiped different gods, not the one true God. And it says here, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. So basically, they were crying out to their different gods, but when they didn't have any response from their gods, they took matters in their own hands. Okay, they tried to save themselves. So to, to lighten the ship, they threw off the cargo. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. He couldn't care less. I don't care what's happening. I'm going to sleep here. He was so apathetic. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise. Call out to your God. Everyone is calling to their God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. In the ancient times, that's how they determined, you know, the will of God or the will of the gods, if you were a pagan. Okay, so that's how they determined it, what the will of God was, because they believed that the lot belongs to deity. So whatever the outcome was, that was the will of whoever deity they're serving. And so they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. It's interesting. See, pagans with whatever they believed in, and God sovereignly, of all the people in the ship, God sovereignly positioned it to Jonah so that it was Jonah who was called out. Okay? Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made, listen to this, he was talking to the sailors, who made the sea and the dry land. <laughs> the sailors go, the God who made the sea, and this is what's happening to us. Then the men were exceedingly afraid. They were afraid before, but now they were exceedingly afraid. They were more terrified and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Verse 11. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. So, what are, you, what are we going to do? Tell us. And it's interesting here. It's interesting. Before I move on here, you see... Here's the main point, again. When you run from God, you run into trouble. 
Does that make sense? When you run away from God, you run into trouble. A lot of it unnecessary, and a good part of it is divine. God allows you, when you run from Him, He allows trouble to come upon you. Was that to punish you? But it's really more to discipline you. And the purpose of discipline is to get you corrected. Be back into your correct course. So that you can be brought back to your proper course. So the purpose of why God allows some troubles when you flee from Him, when you seek your own way, when you try to discover yourself apart from God, expect some troubles that He will allow to jolt you, to discipline you, to bring you back to where you're supposed to be. Okay? And so going back to that word in verse 4, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And so basically, in the NIV, it says there, the same verse, it says there, the Lord sent a great wind. Basically, this storm was something God sent, okay? And it's interesting. When you run away from God, when you disobey God, trouble comes upon you, and that trouble will follow you, and it will cause others to come into trouble as well. That trouble will affect other people, okay? Here's what Jonah said. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know... It is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. I am at fault here. You are suffering because of my disobedience. He was honest, at least. But many of us need to understand that when we become disobedient, the trouble we, you know, that we, uh, that we face, we also bring it upon the people around us. Jonah's at least honest to say, I'm at fault here. You are in trouble because of me. Throw me into the sea, and the sea will be calm. And here's what the sailors did. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. They didn't want to throw him first. You know, so they, they still tried to do things their way. Maybe we can save ourselves, you know. They tried as hard as they could to go back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Here's the thing. When you're in trouble and you still try to save yourself, the more trouble, you see that trouble will only increase. The only way is to cry out to God. And so they're crying out to their gods who are not gods at all. And here, when they could not save themselves, they called out to the Lord, Jonah's God, the one true God. Oh Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah. So at first they didn't want to do what Jonah said. But now after they tried to save themselves and it was not working, they, prayed, they cried out to the Lord, Now, Lord, don't hold this against us. And they threw Jonah out. Man overboard. <laughs> after he, he fell into the sea, the sea ceased from its raging. That told them the power of God. That showed them who the real God was. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Isn't it interesting? 
that even in your storm of disobedience, God can still reveal himself to others around you if you respond. And here, verse 17, so God sent the storm. Jonah was thrown overboard. And here's what happened next. And the Lord appointed a great fish. He gave this great fish a specific instruction to go and pick up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. We're going to talk about this next week. Okay? But again, you run from God, you run into trouble. So application, what does this mean for us today, this, this portion of the narrative? Some application, some lessons that we can learn here. What does it mean for us? Number one, we all have callings from God. All of us have callings from God. Will you run away or will you obey? All of us have that. Will you allow your Jonah to rise up or will you allow God to take your heart? And you say, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. Think about that. It's time to burn your ships. Time to burn your ships. Because if you don't have any more ships, you don't have any excuse, the only option is to obey God. Let me say this. Before you even hear God's call for your life, burn your ships already. Secondly, God allows storms in our lives as a result of disobedience. So we're just drawing out some, some lessons here that we that can be applied to us. It's good to be it's good to be reminded of this that God will allow trouble to come into our lives when we disobey, but that the purpose of that is to discipline us. Thirdly, even in our storms, God can reveal himself to others. You're in the storm of your disobedience and God is disciplining you. And people are seeing it and they're experiencing the storm. They're experiencing the trouble as well that you've caused them. God can still redeem that situation. God can still use that situation to reveal himself to those around you. How? If you respond to God. If you don't make up any more excuse. If you humble yourself before God, he can reveal himself to those around you. Isn't God great? That even in your mistake, even in your time of discipline, He's so gracious to reveal Himself to those around you. He still wants to use you, even during your discipline time. Isn't it amazing? And lastly, God provides what we need, whether we like it or not. You see, God provided the storm. He provided the fish to swallow up. How many of you think it's a great adventure to be swallowed up by a great fish. I mean, like, whoa, here we go. Whoa, it's a total adrenaline rush right here. <laughs> we ask God for what we need, right? We may not always get what we want, but God will always give us what we need. And if what we need is a whooping, if what we need at the moment is a spanking, is a discipline, if what we need at the moment is God chastising us, so that we can experience the pain of our disobedience, so that we can learn from it and turn to Him, He will do so. He will give us what we need, whether we like it or not. And many times, the things that we need sometimes are things we don't like. How many of you need to be corrected? How many of you know that you need to be corrected from time to time? 
Do you love correction? Oh, please correct me. I thrive on it. Love, I love it. Tell me what's wrong with me. I don't like that. Every time somebody tells me what's wrong with me, I feel pain. But I welcome that. I listen to it. And I humble myself before God. Okay, God, I want you're, te- you're using this person to tell me something so that I can learn. Okay? I want you to be reminded of this. In Hebrews 12, it says there, and, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises everyone, every son whom he receives. You see, the Bible speaks of discipline as an expression of the Father's love. And if you're not disciplined, the Bible says, you're an illegitimate child. But the fact that you're disciplined, that means you have a relationship with the Father. So discipline is a form, an expression of love to bring you back where you're supposed to be. Another lesson that I'd like to conclude with this is, in all the lessons I shared to you, there's one common thing there. If you find yourself in trouble, don't call on somebody like the Beatles sang. When you find, I don't find myself in times of trouble, don't call to that. <laughs> call out to God. Respond to God. When you're in your storm of disobedience, respond to God. When you, have, when you hear the call of God in your life, respond to God. Don't go to Tarshish. Respond to God. In the storms that God allows in your life, respond to God. You see, when we respond to God, we eliminate all the unnecessary trouble that befall us and those around us. And if we respond to God and we still experience trouble, that means those are troubles God allowed to continually deepen us, to continually forge us to becoming more like Him. Respond to God. In your pain, respond to God. Don't run away. Respond to God. And how are we to respond? In faith and obedience to Christ. Whatever your situation is, don't ride your ships. Respond to God. Our attitude should be that of what Paul said in Philippians 3. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We are called to be with God. And that is through Jesus Christ. We all have a calling. When I speak of calling, it, it, I speak of the specific thing that God calls you to do, but I'm also speaking of the general term of calling of God where we're all called to be with Him. And that's only possible through Jesus Christ. That's why if you, Jesus said, no one can come to the Father except by me. The only way to God the Father, to be reconciled with Him is through Jesus Christ. And if you're not, if you don't put your faith in Christ, you are, you'll place yourself in a position where unnecessary troubles plague you and even the ones God has allowed are there. In the hopes, because of God's compassion, in the hope that you will turn to Him. Saying, Lord, I can't take this anymore. Please save me. It's only in Christ can we have that salvation. And if we stumble, 
And from time to time, we still, we will still stumble. God is still faithful. He will still be faithful to us. If your heart is for Him and we still stumble from time to time, God is faithful to keep you. And here's a, good, and here's a promise here. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You see, there are a lot of people who have put their faith in God and they have overcome because of that faith. And we're surrounded by the, that cloud of witnesses. Let us then lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely. Let's shed them off by the grace of God and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, Jonah disobeyed God, wanted to be in Tarshish, away from God, thinking that he could be away from God. But he ran into trouble. You know what the best place to be is in the center of God's will. How many of you want that for your life? Let's all stand right now. Let's continue this verse. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder, he is the one who started your faith, and he is the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. He's the one who started it. He will be the one to finish it. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Respond to God. And we respond to God by coming to Christ, surrendering everything because He is the Lord who died for us. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this word. Pray God that you would speak to us. Lord, that we would shed every sin, shed, that we would shed every preference, every bias, every prejudice. Lord, even prideful things or even our doubts. Lord, anything that can, that can hinder us, Lord, from obeying you, Lord, it, sometimes it may be our, our flaws, our failures, or it may even be our accomplishments, our achievements. These things, good and bad, can hinder us from obeying you. Lord, we cast them all down. Lord, we, just like Paul said, Lord, I consider all things rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. And Lord, today, Lord, we shed every weight. We lay aside every, every burden, every sin that blocks us from obeying you. And Lord, by your grace, Lord, we receive your forgiveness as we repent of these things. Even every excuse, Lord, we, we burn it to the ground. And Lord, we want to respond to you. We respond to you today in, in whatever situation we are in right now. Jesus, we are in pain, but it's going to be worse if we don't respond to you. So, Lord, we come to you, not just to take away the pain, but for us to be in the, in the right place, for us to be in your proper place for us. We want to be in the center of your will. And, Lord Jesus, thank you. That in your presence, there's joy, there, there's peace, there's righteousness, there's hope. No trouble. And if we experience trouble externally, Lord, we can say it is well with our souls. Because you are our peace. Lord Jesus, we thank you. I'd like to pray one more prayer before we dismiss.
And I'd like to issue this, you know, and invite you, if you've not given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe you're pursuing your own path. Maybe you have, you're on a ship that's headed to Tarshish, but you've been hearing Jesus calling you. For years now, He's been talking to you, telling you, give your life to me and I will give you the life that you're supposed to have. Would you be willing to give your life to Jesus? If you're saying today, Pastor Neil, I want, today I want to be, I want it to be the day that I give my life to Christ. If there's anyone like that in the room who would like to do that, would you just raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you. Anybody at all? Just like to take this time. We just want to make sure that you don't miss your opportunity. So we've been doing this. And we, a lot of us here have responded to Jesus this way. We've, We've repented of our sins and we've put our faith in Christ. Would you lift your hand up high so I can see? It's pretty dark here. Anybody? Praise God. We have one there. We have another there. Why don't we all pray this with them? Can we all pray this together? And those of you who raise your hands, why don't you pray this prayer? Make this your own prayer. I know you're repeating after me, but make this your own prayer. Let's all pray this together with them. Say, Lord Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner. And I've relied on myself that I've been the Lord of my life. But today I realize I'm a sinner and I've sinned against you. And today I see your love and your faithfulness and your sacrifice for us, for me. So I repent for all my sins and I also repent of trusting in myself and I turn to you for my salvation for my healing I turn to you for forgiveness and for eternal life and today Lord Jesus I receive you not in my terms but in your terms I receive you as my Lord and Savior and from this day forth, you are my Lord. You are my master. You are my king. I surrender my life to you. Live inside me. And for, for the rest of my life, starting today, I will live to please you and to obey you. And by your grace, I receive eternal life. And I receive your destiny for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you're sincere in praying that prayer, let me encourage you. After praying that prayer, after you receive Jesus, make sure that you know the next step. If you have friends here, just talk to them. Make sure that you would know the next step. Ask them, what's the next step? We'll be glad to help you. Amen. God bless everybody. We're dismissed.